What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Truth. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths, secret proceedings. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. Johnson, host of As the Day Approaches, and I want to welcome you today as we are going to uh, continue talking about the year 2012. Last week we talked about uh, uh, date setting and uh, we did an introduction to kind of uh, the 2012. Uh, we talked about the Mayans and the Nostradamus and some of the prophecies and a lot of the dates that have been set through the centuries about the year 2012. There is a significance in the world with this date. So I want to, first of all, let you know that my shows are really not set up for callers right now, and uh, maybe in the future I will be able to do that. So if you try to call in and I do not respond to your request, it's because my shows are not quite set up for that yet. Uh, I do want to be able to do that. So if you can uh, just hang in there, we'll um, one day be able to uh, talk, to, uh, talk to you and let you ask questions and things like that. So, But for now, we are going to uh, continue our study. And today, my focus is going to be on the age of Aquarius, December 21st, 2002. And I call this the the great shift. I'm really not me that's calling this, but that's what they're calling this in the age of Aquarius and the age of enlightenment. So I want to welcome you, and I hope that you can uh, 
understand everything I'm talking about. I am so excited because these are the things I'm really excited about talking about. And I know not everybody can talk about these subjects. So I've got a lot of information for you today. And I'm going to really start off today about talking about what 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 makes up eschatology. And um, I'm using a few books here that I can suggest to you. Um, last week I uh, talked about 2012, The Bible and the End of the World by Mark, Mark Hitchcock. And I just use these books as reference tools and I suggest them to you as a reference. Not everything in every book that I read do I uh, utilize and uh, believe necessarily, but I find books and information that are that is interesting and helpful to understanding what's going on. I have a lot of internet stuff, and the other book. Um, I really spent a lot of time in this week. It's called New Age Spirituality, called An Assessment by Duncan, its editor, Duncan Ferguson. And this is actually a compilation of different New Age spiritual uh, leaders and what they say about the New Age movement. This is going to be a big topic of today's show is... uh, this kind of spirituality, and because that is what makes up the age of Aquarius. Now, the word eschatology means study of the last or last things. Every major religion has some kind of eschatology or teaching about how everything is going to to finally end up. For many Muslims, it is the coming of their Mahdi or Messiah who will convert to the world to Islam and rule in peace and prosperity. Buddhists reject the idea of a definitive um, end of all things. Rather, they envision endless cycles of life and death that can ultimately lead to nirvana, which is a state of complete awakening. Well, you know, and if you really study it, it's actually a state of nothingness. It's breaking the cycle of reincarnation, which in the West we think that is quite popular. We have popularized that, and we... um, kind of think that's kind of cool that we can come back. But real Hindus really want to break free from this cycle of death and life and life and death so they don't have to keep coming back. That's the true uh, understanding of Hinduism. Like Buddhists, Hindus also view time in cycles and believe that they they are living in the age of darkness, the last of our four periods that constitute the current age. Now, most Hindus believe that the world will ultimately be destroyed in an apocalypse and then recreated. Now, all Orthodox Christians, like you, you know, if you are like me, I am what I'm considering an Orthodox historical uh, evangelical Christianity. Well, I guess you can't say historical evangelical, but I believe in the Bible as an inerrant word of God, and I believe in historical Christianity, and uh, take the Bible face value, literally, for those of you who are listening, who actually do not take the Bible literally. Excuse me. This is where my point of view is coming from. Now, all Orthodox Christians, they believe in a literal second coming, like I do, of uh, Jesus coming on the earth, the bodily resurrection of all people, and final judgment. 
The 2012 phenomenon is the new age eschatology, and that's why I spent a lot of time um, in this new age spirituality book this week. Um, I'm so glad to be able to have some of the actual authors of the New Age Movement and didn't read a book about the New Age Movement. I really encourage those who really want to study it to find out what they're actually saying and critique it uh, on their own, go to the source. And then I like to go to. Now, if you're weak in your faith, I don't suggest you to do that because uh, if you're learning, uh, well, we're always learning, but if you're learning and you don't have that discernment yet, please don't go to these books because they'll just confuse you. Now, the New Age eschatology, you know, the 2012 phenomena is very answer to how the world will end, or at least how the world as we know it will end and usher in a new stage of collective consciousness. Most religions and cultures, past and present, have some kind of doomsday or end-time scenario. <clears throat> The New Age Movement has adopted the Mayan calendar, which we talked about last week, as a centerpiece for its view of how this world will end and the next one, if there is one, will begin. The startling feature of the Mayan doomsday prophecy in the New Age eschatology is that the need, that it names a specific date for the end, which is December 21st, 2012. <clears throat> Shiite Muslims are awaiting uh, the arrival of the 12th Imam, or Mahdi, who will usher in a time of worldwide prosperity and peace. Christians look for the second coming of Christ. Now, the New Age looks for the arrival of the Enlightened One. Some of them call it the Christ, or the uh, Maitreya is actually the name of the Enlightened One. As Christians, we expect the return of Jesus, also known as the second coming. Unlike most other religions who promote a peaceful climax, the Bible states he will, God will judge the earth and the nations. Psalm 110.6 says he will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. The New Age believes that we are heading for a great shift in consciousness, a new beginning, an utopia. Islam says that bringing or causing strife among the nations will usher in the 12th or last imam or the prophet, ushering in the reign of Allah. So they have to bring chaos in the earth, and they have to go to war with Christians and Jews in order to bring in the last imam. That is what the Quran says, that this is what they have to do in order to bring about this this uh, enlightened ruler who will uh, rule in peace, and he will bring peace and out of the chaos. Christianity says that Jesus will return in the midst of worldwide turmoil and unrest brought about not solely by man's exploitation and greed, but specifically on God's judgment, and, and it is going to be on the rule of Antichrist and judging him and it's all going to be his judgment. It's not going to be man's catastrophe necessarily, but it will be God's judgment. Not that man is not going to cause a lot of havoc there. 
at this time, because the Antichrist is going to be on the war path after his, after what the Bible talks about, a time of peace. Luke 21, 10, 11 says, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, which I just uh, <clears throat> read to you, and it will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. And uh, we talked about last week how some believe in 2012 there was going to be a cataclysmic uh, event happening. A lot of people don't know what that is, whether it's an earthquake. Today on the radio, when I was coming home from work, which I work third shift from 11 to 7, when I was coming home this morning, um, the time that I'm doing this show, uh, they were talking about, locally, about the the um, sunbursts or the, the sun flares that are scientists are actually predicting will happen anytime these major sun flares, and they're calling a Katrina-like cataclysmic event for the whole entire world. And that could um, cut out some satellites, uh, things like that. So scientists are actually predicting something like that. And this is part of uh, what the New Age or the Nostradamus, so the 2012 uh, Mayan calendar states, Mayan calendar states that it will end in, in chaos and destruction. But the New Age movement thinks that we're going to be in a big shift. Now, the age of Aquarius, what is it? <clears throat> Remember the song back in the 70s, I believe? It was a I was a little young in the 70s, but I do remember it, 60s, 70s. When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace shall guide the planets and love will steer the stars. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Harmony and understanding, sympathy and trust abounding. No more forces or derision, golden living dreams and visions. Mystic crystal revelations and the mind's true liberation. Now, the New Age movement has many dimensions. It is a journey toward the divine, toward self-discovery, and toward planetary evolution. In the New Age movement, <clears throat> um, is is the New Age movement a new religion? Now, David Spangler, one of the um, main leaders of the New Age movement, which is in this New Spirituality book, uh, he says his response to this question has always been that the New Age is not a new religion. One does, and he, he debates whether or not that it's a religion at all, but I believe that atheism is a religion. I believe that socialism is a religion. Anything that you put your faith in is, uh, in my definition, a religion. So he says, one does not become a New Ager in the same sense that one becomes a Christian, a Muslim, or a Buddhist. The New Age does not have a singular cohesive doctrine to which everyone ascribes. It does not have a central spiritual founder like Jesus, 
a Buddha or a Muhammad. It does not have a unified set of spiritual practices or a common pattern or focus of worship. It does not have a well-defined spiritual path toward the sacred. There are some groups who identify themselves as being New Age who do have a centralized doctrine or orthodoxy or worship and practice and have been founded by individuals whom they revere as being spiritual masters. These groups are the exception, though, rather than the rule. The New Age movement as a whole does not have these characteristics. David Spangler goes on, he he says, what are the activities, philosophies, teachings, and ideas that, that at one time or another have been lumped under the term New Age? Uh, and then he gives a partial listing, and I'm going to go through some of these, and you're going to you're going to hear hear a lot of the pagan philosophy, uh, God of spirituality, the Gaia hypothesis, new physics systems theory (ESP), meditation, neo paganism in Wicca, Celtic and mystical Christianity. No, listen, Celtic. Christianity and mystical Christianity, martial arts, Native American spirituality, channeling, I Ching, humanistic psychology, diet and nutrition, herbalism, acupuncture, intentional community, holistic education, green values, alternative energy sources, the sacred planet, new biology, chaos theory, Altered states of consciousness, near-death experiences, reincarnation, women's men's mysteries, Jewish Kabbalah, shamanism, psychic development, astrology, sacred dance, transpersonal psychology, homeopathy and naturopathy, excuse me, chiropractic. Yoga, holistic business, ecofeminism, and deep ecologies. These are some of the things that um, can be lumped together under the New Age movement. Now, as you can tell, not everything is part of a New Age movement because uh, meditation and near death experiences are not necessarily just unique to the New Age movement. There are some. Um, that we as Christians should never take part in. Now, I'm going to add one more to this list that David Spangler didn't put here, and I am going to say the emergent church. That's part of uh, what I believe the New Age philosophy and the counterpart. What links them together, David Spangler goes on, is that each of them offers a challenge or an alternative to the dominant materialistic patriarchal paradigm of contemporary Western industrialized culture. They each offer an image or process of transformation either for an individual or for the culture as a whole. And that is a good definition that could be of the emergent church. Uh, that is exactly how uh, Brian McLaren, one of the main leaders and apostles of the New Age movement, would define uh, this form of Christianity. Now, David Spangler, again, says the New Age way is also a multi-volume encyclopedia. 
and metaphysical notions, esoteric techniques, cross-cultural religious themes, and to some degree scientific maps of the universe. The present-day guide for the perplexed, which can be envisioned metaphorically as the entire range of subjects and titles in a New Age bookstore, entails astrology, yoga, definition, shamanism, Wicca, and white witchcraft, worship of the earth, goddess, ecology, human potential, psychology, community activism, animal rights, geomancy, ceremonial magic, Buddhist meditation, planetary politics, Jewish Kabbalah, some of it I'm repeating, the ethics of Christian monasticism, the Hindu belief in karma and reincarnation, channeling of spirit guides, communication with dolphins, that's a funny one, communication with dolphins, and we're not really going to go into that this time, but I encourage you to Google that, and extraterrestrials. Interesting that he puts that in the same line. Communication with dolphins and extra extraterrestrials. That, of course, is is uh, Martians or uh, UFOs. Uh, psychotronics, Tibetan pilgrimages, the search for the Earth's ancient sacred sites, such as the Mayan uh, pyramid and the Egyptian pyramids, things like that. Holistic health, herb psychic methods such as the clairvoyance and telekinesis, out-of-body travel, win-win, as a win, W-I-N slash W-I-N, if you want to Google that. Business strategies, massage, energy vortexes, uh, Indian sweat lodges, hypnosis, and so on. And you can keep going on and on. But you get kind of a picture, and that's why I wanted to, to say all these, because you do get kind of a picture of what is kind of lumped into this New Age definition. New Agers seek to be non-judgmental about the world's many different life worlds and religious undertakings. Each undertaking, in fact, is just one gem in the great complex mosaic of private religious meaning. And here, you know, David Spangler says it's really not a religion when when you combine all that together, there is a religious aspect about the New Age movement. But he is saying that it's not a new religion, which is not, because it is the old lie from the very beginning of Genesis that says we can be like God. And so this takes it to a new new level where we can attain all these uh, utopia and all these things in the self and the psyche on our own. Now, the age of Aquarius begins in 2012. And if you, on a website, uh, you know, about the, the 2000, December 2012, end of the world, um, uh, is a site that I got this off. It, 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 he says, if you don't follow astrology, you may have no idea what the age of Aquarius is. Basically, each of the 12 different astrological signs has an age associated with it. These ages change over time depending on which of the signs appears during the morning of the spring equinox. Currently, most people agree that we are in the age of Pisces. The Age of Aquarius 2012 theory states that the new age will start on December 21, 2012, the last day of the Mayan long count calendar. And that's what the new age uses for their counting and their calculations. Now, what is the new age? 
you know, what, what are we looking at here? The idea of the age of Aquarius ushering in some new and great human area is not new. In fact, it has been around since the early 1900s. Back then, New Age cultist Aleister Crowley, uh, the man behind the mystical order of the Golden Dawn, believed that the age of Aquarius began in 1904. Now, last week we talked about how uh, we people have set dates, and it's no different with the New Age movement. They've set dates, and something has not happened. Um, and Aleister Crowley is one of those. But people still listen to him, okay, and that he is personally, um, and that he personally brought it about, so he, he believes he brought this great shift about. Other notable historical figures give different dates. Carl Jung places the ages beginning at sometime between 1997 and 2000. Sir Isaac Newton, Rob Hand, and Dan Rudhar, this, uh, all say 2060. So, you know, 2012 is not necessarily. But we're going to go and kind of show you uh, exactly why I'm saying 2012 and why 2012 is actually the one picked out. If you cannot count from the birth of Christ, the age begins in 21. <clears throat> if you count from the, the uh, birth of Christ, the age begins in 2160. This is the number of years it takes for the constellation to change during the spring equinox. So a new age always begins every 2,160 years, 2,160 years. Astrologers and many others see each age as being ruled by specific ideas or concepts. Many see the age of Aquarius as being the age of computers, freedom, electricity, rebels, astrology, and humanitarianism, among other ideas. Some hope the age will bring in a time of philanthropy and peace, while others expect a time of unrest, conformity, and even rebellion. Excuse me. Some think men will leave Earth and become decentralized as we spread across the galaxy, you know, like Star Trek. Um, and many do not agree on what the age of Aquarius, to, you know, what the beginning of and what the age of Aquarius 2012 beginning will bring to mankind, but I'll agree some kind of change is coming. Now, when you look further into the, the age of Aquarius, this is what those who are part of this movement are saying. The coming of the new age of Aquarius, you know, it has a mythology a mythological association, and this is the mythology and the associations. Now, it goes something like this. The ruler of Aquarius is Uranus. Its symbol represents water, a universal image which dates back to prehistory. This will also be recognized in the Egyptian hieroglyphic representing the same. The association in Aquarius is that of a servant of humanity pouring out water of knowledge to quench the thirst of the world. These symbolic waves of water, which are the dual expression of vibration waves of electricity or parallel lines of force. Now, to fully appreciate the mythological significance of the Aquarius, it is necessary to bear in mind the importance of water to our ancestors. The very existence of ancient 
mantis dependent upon the supply of life-sustaining moisture. During the month of Aquarius, the rains were on the land literally poured from the heavens. In many regions of the ancient world, this was seen as the beginning of the new year, a time of new life cycles. It is not hard to understand why some images depict the figure of Aquarius as a water-bearing angel. The region of the night sky in which Aquarius resides is populated by water signs. In Babylonia, this region of the zodiac was known as sea, as the sea, S-E-A. This region of the zodiac was known as the sea, S-E-A. Now, it talks about something in Revelation of there will no longer be any sea. There's a lot of theories about what this might be, but it's interesting that they bring this up in this particular uh, belief system. Here we also find uh, Capricornus, the water goat, and Pisces, the fish. To the Greeks, Aquarius was associated with Ganymede, the son of Tros, king of Phygra, and the god Zeus. So it so admired the boy's beauty in that he inducted him to serve a cup of cupbearer on Mount Olympus. It was this desire to possess the young prince which inspired Zeus to cast his image eternally in the night sky. So you see the the mythology here. And it is the Greek and Roman gods that you can uh, refer back to. The Egyptians associated this time of the year with the god Hapi. The heaviest, abundant figure, Hapi, was responsible for annual flooding of the River Nile. In some images, he is seen watering the earth from two large jugs. And to go on to talk about how uh, people today are actually having dreams right now, and this is some of the similar dreams that they're having. People are having many water-type dreams, those who are uh, believing and worshiping these types of uh, gods. Usually they, they are very scary. Many people are afraid that these dreams are prophetic and that the ocean is going to come over the land and kill everyone. However, other dreams like, the portray, like this portray similar ocean dreams but the dreamer just stands there and watches in awe and feels so, no fear. Other dreams are about fish tanks, which are broken, and fish are flopping on the floor helplessly, and others where the tank breaks, the water falls to the floor, but the fish swim in, in the air just like they were still in the water. We have come to think of these dreams, and this is what they're saying, as being prophetic. Yes, however, not that the physical world will be destroyed, but that we are undergoing a spiritual change. And these dreams are messages that the age of Pisces, a water sign, is ending, and that the age of Aquarius, the water bearer sign, is coming in. So it's interesting that there, uh, those who are following uh, this uh, worldview in this New Age movement are actually having these types of dreams. Now, I want to go through quickly, and I really don't want to spend too much time on this, but there are some dates that uh, they have personally said that uh, they said these things would happen. Um, in the book of World Horoscopes, Nicholas Campion mentioned at least 70 dates 
for the beginning of the age of Aquarius, covering a range of 15 to 100 years. And we're not going to talk about all 70 dates. We're going to kind of briefly go through some of them. He forewarns his readers by stating that there there has been much confusion over this issue. And quote the noted astrologer Charles Carter's statement that more rubbish has been written about this subject than any other branch of astrology, which he probably in itself, which is probably in itself an exaggeration. As an illustration, Campion mentions an interesting synchronicity that occurred in 1962 involving a 19th century French hoaxer and the renowned American clairvoyant Jane Dixon. In the 1890s, Gabriel Jogand, and I'm probably really messing up these uh, names, primarily to educate superstitious Catholics, deliberately devised and publicized a myth that the Antichrist was going to be born in 1962. On the projected day, 70 years later, Jean Dixon had a vision that somewhere in the Middle East, a baby had been born who would become a world teacher and lead humanity from Christianity. Now, do you see what, you know, what it actually is trying to, you know, it's not Hinduism or Islam or Buddhist or whatever. They're trying to lead it away from Christianity, humanity away from Christianity. An accurate definition of the Antichrist and also a symbol of the beginning of the new age of Aquarius. Camden constructed the horoscope computed by Dixon's estimated time and transposed it to Jerusalem and discovered that there had been a solar eclipse on the previous day when all of the the traditional seven planets were in the sign of Aquarius. This is an interesting possibility for the entrance of the age of Aquarius, but not accompanied by any significant world events which would justify such a selection. This is also true of the majority of dates previously set for this momentous entrance. Although enticing, they have not been persuasively connected with any major world events which would justify their claims. However, it it could be reasons that the entrance into the age of Aquarius is an inner rather than an outer transformation, which could be the case. So they think that, you know, if you don't see something on the outside, it's an internal uh, thing. So... Among the more obvious suggestions for the beginning of the New Age of Aquarius is the following. 1898, according to the Hindu chronology, the Kali Yuga Age of Iron began in the year 3102 BC, as the Yuga was a duration of 5,000 years. Its end occurred in 1898. Now, in 1904, Lester Crowley, in the Book of the Law, dictated to him by a Discarnate Egyptian entity proposed April 1904 in Cairo when the channeling occurred as the beginning of the new Aeon, Aeon ruled by Horus, the solar god of ancient Egypt. In 1905, Gerald Massey uh, used the standard processional period of 2600 60 years for each zodiac sign of 30 degrees and assumed a startling point of 255 BC, which meant that the beginning of the age of Aquarius was in 1905. He used the correct processional period, but his starting point seems only to be justified because it is significant to Matthew rather than for humanity as a whole. 
and you see the signs of the zodiacs created from that. 1911, Madame Blavatsky predicted that the reality of the universal church would become possible towards the close of this century, which would be 2000, you know, approximately. The Theos Theosophical Society based their calculations for the dawning of the age of Aquarius on the channeling of Lord Maitreya by Krishnamurti in 1911. Madame Blavatsky's biography is where you can find this. And there's a lot of books on Helen Blavatsky. Uh, I've uh, studied a lot about her. Uh, she is an interesting character and she is involved in the occult. 1921, the Jockey Club of Barcelona received tremendous backing for the prediction that the world would end at this time. In 1936, Edgar Casey stated that during 1936, the terrestrial axis had begun to shift an inexorable process which would activate the transition between old uh, world ages. The change would accelerate rapidly with catastrophic consequences. A well-known American geologist confirmed that this axis shift did indeed begin below the Earth's surface in 1936. Very interesting to say below the Earth's surface where you really can't prove it, you know, by seeing it, you have to kind of, you have to believe it. 1945, Alice Bailey, another big uh, leader in the New Age movement, she is up with Helen Blavatsky and also David Spangler. Alice Bailey determined that the transition to the age of Aquarius occurred in the 1930s as described in the externalization of the hierarchy. In 1945, the master du Joal Kul, which is Islam, by the way, uh, gave out the great invocation, which invoked the uh, powers of light, love, and divine purpose, irrespective of all religions. And in 1946, Alice Bailey wrote, the day is dawning when a religion, all religions will be regarded as emanating from one great spiritual source. Now, you know, I mentioned the New Age movement because the New Age movement is actually rising from within the church. It is uh, coming, like Brian McLaren says, yeast throughout the church, which, you know, in the Bible, if you read the Bible, yeast is not a good thing. But for McLaren, this is a good thing because he believes that everything has to be rethought. So does all the main leaders of the emerging church leaders. I'm uh, going to that just a slight bit more. I did do a whole series on the emerging church movement, and if you have not joined me for those, it would be good for you to go back and listen to some of them. Now, in 1962, Peruvian, Peruvian spiritual messenger Willaru Hoyateta, I you know, wish somebody could correct me on that, of the Quechua Nation a part of the ancient Inca Confederation believes that the age of Aquarius began in February 1962. The, the uh, Rudyard designated 1975 as the time when the avatar of the New Age would appear. He allowed the possibility that it might not be the second coming of Christ anticipated by many, but that the Christ energy could be carried by a series of individuals who would be agent, agents for this message. Uh, you might want to include the emergent church leaders as that. 1975, a Wolden, a Wolden in Af 
uh, in after Nostradamus suggested a range of dates, including 1975, 2000, 2023, and 2160. He stated that the transition of the world ages is never exact and can take hundreds of years because they can constitute a modification in collective consciousness. So they're saying that, you know, um, in this age of Aquarius, it could take a process of 100 years or so to really get the world of the way they are anticipating it's going to go, this enlightenment. But some think it's quicker than that. In 1987, uh, uh, August Jose Argulas organized the harmonic conversion, which was the foretaste of the imminent new age. And that's where they all gathered together and held on hands throughout the world and did certain sounds and, you know, yoga chants and things like that. In 1997, Carl Jung was inspired by the work of Nostradamus and supported his connection that the new age would happen between 1997 and the year 2000. Now, 2000, there are many prophecies which agree that the millennium year is 2000, among them those of Nostradamus, Edward Casey, Edgar Casey, sorry, St. Malachi, Garabandal, Fatima, and other Christian prophets. Margaret Hone is the modern textbook of astrology, gives in the modern textbook of astrology, gives the year 2000 as a symbolic date for the New Age. Now, you see how they're, they're saying some of these. Symbolic date. The seer Catherine Emmerich believed that Lucifer would be unchained in 50 or 60 years before the year 2000. The theory of the divine plot by this author is an astrological model in a historical process expressing multiple cyclic world ages and its projects of transition to a new world age in the year 2000. Do a couple more here that I want to just give you a taste of to see who is involved in this and who is uh, what they are actually saying to kind of build us up to where we're going. Okay, 2001, G. Barbarin stated that according to the principle of the Great Week, the six days of of a thousand years of the academic era, there will be will follow a day of rest. Hmm, interesting. A millennium which from the year 2001 will bring a thousand years of peace, while his prophecy echoes the Seventh-day Adventist. It is also similar to the Hebrew Jubilee year in Nostradamus' seventh millennium, Catholic Jubilee year. It also is the Catholic Jubilee year, the Jewish Jubilee, Nostradamus' prophecies in the year of Jubilee. Um, <clears throat> 2012, now, it says Terence and Denise McKenna in the Invisible Landscape advance an idea derived from studies of primitive shamanism and psychoactive drugs that are that our universe is created by the holographic interaction between the hyper-universe and the universe of cyclic and recurrent. Based on extensive computer modeling, they think that humanity will experience a resurrection into the light during six days in A.D. 2012, when in the last 135 minutes, in 18 barriers com- comparable to the appearance of life, the invention of language, or the achievement of immortality will be experienced. 
13 of them in the last millisecond. The sorry, I mispronounced the name, discovered a system of cycles based on the ancient Mayan calendar and determined that the year 2012 would be the end of the 396-year backton of the transformation of matter, the collapse of global civilization, with the following era of information and crystal solar technology and galactic synchronization. So if you can get that, all that, you can understand kind of the history of all of this. And just like uh, we talked about last week about date setting, even the New Age has had some date setting problems. But what is all agreed here is that something is coming, something is is emerging, rising to the surface, and going to happen in a big way. Now, David Spangler says this, what is authentically and uniquely new age within which we might find some new and revolutionary path to the sacred? What is, what is he is saying, what is authentically and uniquely new age within which we might find some new and revolutionary path to the sacred? And then he goes on to say, the idea of the new age, as I mentioned, is an ancient one. It can be found in every culture in one form or another, leading me to think of it as a planetary myth or as an archetypical archetypal image within the collective human psyche. It is an idea that has certainly appeared from time to time in the theory of Western civilizations, usually in a Christian context, as the appearance of the millennium, but also in Jewish tradition as the expected messianic age. The current New Age did not just spring into being during the 50s and 60s, as it's mistaken, he said. It has roots in a variety of philosophical, social, and religious movements of the past century, including the American Transcendentals and the Romantics. Even the 18th um, century, the English poet William Blake spoke of the imminent coming of a New Age. He, in turn, was influenced by the prophecy of Emanuel Swedenborg, the Swedish theologian and mystic, that the New Age would dawn in 1757, beginning with the transformation of consciousness. Now, the theme through this is the transformation of consciousness. Now, the contemporary New Age began as a prophetic movement based on an astrological interpretation of history that every 2,000 years or so, humanity moves into a new age in which civilization is predominantly influenced by the qualities of a particular astrological sign and that, and that, that rules the age, which I have stated that it were coming out of the Pisces going into the Aquarius uh, for those who follow those. So for the past 2,000 years, we have been under the sign of the Pisces, and now we are entering the age of Aquarius. The movement, also fueled by cyclically received processes of the coming end of civilization, and after a time of trial and tribulation, the beginning of time of great abundance and peace. Paranorma about nuclear warfare all through the 1950s and 60s certainly created a climate in which such prophecies would flourish. 
So the New Age is first a prophetic idea, and as such is presented a critique of modern Western industrial civilization as being too materialistic, too destructive of the earth, and too callous toward the needs of human community and social justice to survive. It was in this form that I, that uh, David Spangler first heard of the New Age in the 50s. However, as a prophecy of the New Age was something to believe in, but not something that offered a means of creative participation, that is, the age of Aquarius would come whatever, you know, whatever uh, David Spangler or anyone else did or did not do. Western civilization was doomed for its sins, and while a better world was coming, it would do so thanks to divine in, uh, it, it would do so thanks to divine intervention, or in some prophecies, extraterrestrial intervention. UFOs have been part of the New Age subculture. Uh, one did not create a New Age. One <laughs> waited for it, its predestined arrival. Certainly, there was no spiritual practice involved other than believing in the prophecies and doing whatever one needed to do to be good and virtuous person so that one's vibration would be attuned to the new world and not to the old one. If this sounds familiar, it's because this prophetic aspect of the New Age rests squarely in the tradition of American millenarianism, substituting the Aquarian age for the kingdom of God and sometimes extraterrestrials for angels. We simply serve to give the prophecies a secular and technological flavor appealing to the gadget-oriented American consciousness. Given the history of the apocalyptic movement, thought um, is that life of the United States, the new idea is really an American as an apple pie. So, so, you know, he's saying here that that the New Age was kind of grew up with the United States, which, you know, I would tend to uh, disagree um, with that. Continuing on. Hold on a second. I'm just kind of checking to see how much time I have left. So now, in David Spangler's opinion, um, if the New Age had remained simply a prophetic idea emerging from the fringes of society, it would probably have remained a marginal subculture and might well have disappeared altogether by the dawn of the 1990s. The fact that there is very little creative energy around waiting passively for something to happen, especially time after time the prophetic events have not occurred when they simply were supposed to. Now, instead, the New Age idea found a more energetic lease on life by piggybacking on a number of other events that took place. In the 60s and 70s, the civil rights movement, the rug culture, the hippie counterculture, and the search for social alternatives the anti-war movement, the rise of humanistic and transpersonal psychologies, the popularization of Buddhism, especially the Zen and Tibetan varieties, and the new revelations and developments in science, such as the new physics, to name a few. Most of the people instrumental in bringing these new patterns 
and change it to the forefront had never heard of the New Age and never thought of themselves as part of the New Age movement. However, as transformational search, however, a transformational search to discover cultural alternatives took off in the United States, particularly in California. The image of the dawning of the age of Aquarius, as the musical Hair put it, the play, the Hair, it became a symbol for the those who, for the the who enterprise. Suddenly, the New Age was loosed from its rather narrow moorings in the psychic and UFO subculture of the United States and became an image for a wide-ranging array of exploratory culture and looked for positive alternatives. Now, actually, as one who who lived through uh, the, the change, in some ways contributed to the liberation of the New Age idea from its prophetic context, David Spangler took looked upon that change as inevitable for two reasons. One lies in the nature of the 20th century itself, and the other lies uh, what he thinks is the deeper power of the New Age idea as a metaphor rather than a prophecy. Now, <clears throat> those who adopt the metaphorical uh, viewpoint anticipate a dramatic shift in the world, uh, in, in the world's consciousness. For some who hold to the shift in consciousness theory, the process is not viewed as a result of a single cataclysmic event, but rather as something that will evolve over a period of time beginning on or about the year 2012. Now, at this point, 2012, uh, ology strongly intersects with the New Age movement. So you get those combinations of those who are interested in that kind of stuff and the New Age movement, and you kind of intersect the two. Now, the shift that's expected in 2002 is described as there's certain things that are actually described what the shift is going to be. One is emotional and spiritual transformation. Two, the birth of our higher selves. Three, an end of cycle reality check for a pole shift in our collective psyche. Five, the birth of a new species or homo spiritus. Six, a zone of alignment. And then the seventh one, the gateway to a new epic of planetary development with a radically different kind of consciousness. Now, New Age thinking encompasses a very broad scope of ideas and practices that emphasize what we might refer to as a kind of scientific mysticism. New Age um, and gurus are commonly associated with crystals and pyramids, channeling the voices of departed guides and cosmic convergences. Now, all of them reject biblical Christianity and deny the notion of a sinful human nature and they call it a myth. They don't believe in sin. Sin is a myth. Nor is the nature where it says in the scripture that we are all born in sin and we are all corrupt in our hearts. They reject 
biblical Christianity and deny the notion of a sinful human nature and call it a myth. The author, Ed Hinson, summarized the New Age movement like this. He said, New thinking is a do-it-yourself religion with a smorgasbord of options, spiritism, witchcraft, channeling, transcendentalism, oriental mysticism, and transtemporal psychology intellectually. It grows out of the belief that the world is now evolving spiritually, producing a great planetary consciousness that will eventually lead to the whole new order. New Agers are calling for the total transformation of society along social and political lines, a transformation consistent with their own beliefs. They seek mankind, see mankind emerging into a human consciousness and potential by declaring its own deification, leaving God watching from the distance. End quote. Now, New Age thinking carries an aura aura of getting in touch with nature and the beliefs and practices of traditional Native cultures. So they focus on all of that. Now, the New Age movement, which is part of the great paradigm shift of our times, is basically all about getting in touch with one's higher self and the emergence of a new planetary consciousness in human beings. Now, New Age mysticism, there's a few that uh, I'll talk about here that describes the New Age mysticism. Now, John Major Jenkins, noted expert on Mesoamerican cosmology in 2012, reflects New Age mysticism. My metaphorical interpretation is the Maya belief that around the year we call 2012, a large chapter in human history will be coming to an end. All the values and assumptions of the previous world age will expire and a new phase of human growth will commence. He further observes, the ancient Maya understood something about the nature of the cosmos and the spiritual evolution of humanity that has gone unrecognized in our own worldview. The understanding involves our alignment with the center of the galaxy, our cosmic center and source, and identifies AD 12 as a time of tremendous transformation and opportunity for spiritual growth and transition from the world, one world age to another, end quote. Now, Jenkins, Jenkins, another one adds, around the year we call 2012, a large chapter in human history will be coming to an end. All the values and assumptions of the previous world age will expire, and a new phase of human growth will commence. Thought of the book, The Return of Quetzalcoatl by Daniel Pinchek, he advances that the thesis that 2012 will bring a new state of human consciousness or a new intensity of awareness that will manifest itself as a different understanding and transformed realization of time and space and self. Pinchbeck has traveled to numerous indigenous cultures exploring and in incorporating their belief systems and practices. He advocates using psychedelic substances to enhance one's intellectual, spiritual, and psychological prowess and awareness. Now, 
pinch that he explains that for the Maya, the end of the great cycle was associated with the return of Mesoamerican deity Quetzalcoatl. He was a sovereign plumed serpent, and he is a legend of, you know, his return serves as an archetype for the point toward a shift in the nature of psyche, of the psyche. Now, last week I talked about the pyramid and the serpent and how the shadow dances down the pyramid on the uh, equinox and connects with the head of the serpent at the bottom. And this is the coming down of the serpent. It's quite interesting and it's quite scary all at the same time. His theory, uh, Pinchbeck's theory of 2012, is that it will bring about the transformation of our consciousness, a quantum jump into a new context that will in turn lead to a rapid creation, development, and dissemination of new institutions and social structures corresponding to our new level of mind. The process may well resemble the advance toward a harmonic, perhaps even utopian situation on Earth. The year 2012 then marks not a time of destruction, but rather a time of global uh, purification and transformation. Not the end of the world, but the end of the world and the opening of the next. Did you know that almost that whole entire quote is found in Brian McLaren's book, um, Everything Must Change, I believe. I can't remember the page number, but Brian McLaren is an emergent church leader, and he actually states that the world is not going to end in judgment and destruction. The world is going to end as we know it, and things are going to be different things are going to, it has finally come to an end and now we're going to live in peace and utopia. That's exactly what he teaches. Now, if you're interested in finding out the the book number, you can uh, email me or you can, um, my email address, by the way, is kb-johnson at mc hsi.com so if you have any questions you can just email me and I will do my best to answer them as quickly as possible Um, Daniel Pinchbeck chronicles what he has learned through his own new age journeys and this is what he learned quote learned quote through my own shamanic journey is I realized that modern culture was facing an initiatory crisis on a global scale. We have created a planet of adult, perpetual adolescents trapped by material desires with no access to higher realms and little sense of purpose or moral responsibility. Now, you know, you can see that that is partially true. You know, in our day, especially in the U.S., there is a lack of moral responsibility. <clears throat> and people are trapped in material possessions. But then he goes a whole step further. And this is about the Gnosticism where everything is, is, is spiritual. The flesh is bad. Now, man can't usher in his own utopia by some sh- shift in consciousness. Now, I mean... Uh, 
you know, I don't think we can as a as a people do this on our own, but um it's said that we can and that we are going to usher that in. Now, another book that I want to point out is The Gaia Project 2012, and this is The Earth's Coming Great Changes by, you know, it's called The Gaia Project 2012, The Earth's Coming Great Changes by business professor, South Korea, Hiro Yong-Yang, is a guide to the profound transformation of consciousness shift. So if you are interested in finding out more information, that is a place to find that information. <clears throat> so what are they saying? What is, is everybody who is following this uh, date of expiration of the world, not just expiration, what are they actually um, saying? Assimilating information from many sources, we currently believe that some kind of major spiritual transformation for Earth will occur around 2012. We have all been feeling an evolutionary acceleration for several years now. We feel this is is leading to a quantum transition from the third dimension into the fifth dimension for the portion of the population that is aligning itself with the vibrations of love and light. So this is, you know, if you hear a story that this is, inclusive it really isn't it's only for those only for those that um the portion of the population that is aligning itself with the vibrations of love and light Ken Carey, apparently speaking on behalf of God, explains that the creator is on his way to visit us here on planet Earth. This dimensional transformation transition is the natural result of collocating with God. Corollary to this belief is that the transdimensional aspect of God, which is about to manifest in our space-time continuum, it's causing ripples not only in space but in time. And these are the ripples which we are feeling as the acceleration of evolution. Evolution is a big part of this. Now, what is the 2012 about? One thing common to all who hold the 2012 perspective is the observation that the cultural reconstruction, scientific knowledge, and the environmental changes are happening at an accelerating rate pace. The conclusion is that at some point this acceleration must enter a feedback loop in which change becomes instantaneous and everything happens at once. And in other words, a singularity will be encountered. So December 21st, 2012, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be instantaneous. It's going to be change. And even though they say for, for hundreds of years you can be doing this process, at this moment in this time, it is going to change. The next conclusion after that would be that what is vanishing at the singular moment is that the very perception of time is linear. So beyond the singularity, many 2012ers anticipate a new understanding of time and cosmology. So changing the dates and the, the seasons. The date of 2012 is fixed upon 
for many reasons, and um, here are three of them. First, the 2012 is the expiration date, technically December 21st, uh, 2012, and they kind of give a play of 20, the 22nd of the Mayan calendar, which we've talked about. The Mayan calendar describes a closing of worlds to occur in 2012. A passage from this world, um, uh, the fourth to the next world, the fifth, is a general Native American cosmology. The Mayan American cosmology explains many other aspects in this world that 2012ers seem to relate to. Now, second, it has been astronomically calculated that on this day our sun will conjunct with the galactic center. This fact supports the theory that our evolution is governed by what is called the precession of the equinoxes, which describes a roughly 24,000-year cycle of rotation through the galaxy. Now, 12,000 years um, are spent in galactic day and 12,000 during the galactic night. Uh, we are at the end of the galactic night, our present time in this moment before dawn, the dawn of a new creation. This also coincides with the geological record of the ice ages and pole shifts every 12,000 years. So you see how it all is aligning together. Thus, many might argue that the year 2012 indicates a transition point from the age of Pisces, which is we've been in for over 2,000 years, to the age of Aquarius. Now, this might not sound terribly scientific or rational, but keep in mind that this is precisely what the transition from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius implies. We are moving and understanding from a binary cosmology in which a thing is true or it is not to a holistic cosmology in which a thing is true and false at the same moment, depending solely on one's perspective. You say that, and this is, this is what the emerging church, and the emerging church calls postmodernism, that you can believe one thing is true and false at the same time, at the same moment, solely on one's perspective. Okay, let me see where I want to go because I only have uh, about 20 minutes left. Now, what did, you know, um, the end of the age, they call it the towards 2000 AD. The age of Pisces and the age of Aquarius is December 21st, 2012, when the Earth's equilateral plane aligns exactly with the galactic center. The ages are a purely planetary phenomenon based on the planet's wobble. And the source of this wobble is in dispute, although I suspect it is linked to our planet's inner sun. Our planet is hollow containing an inner center sun, some believe. Each planet has its own ages. Now, each age has a theme, and the themes of the age of Pisces. Pisces is the age of Pisces is Christianity. Um, Sigitaris is on the midheaven, and both Pisces and Sigitaris are spiritual signs interested in the larger meaning of life. The themes of the coming age of Aquarius will will be truth and brotherhood. Now, that is quite interesting. It will be truth 
in brotherhood. So what are we going to be called as Christians? We're going to be called people who don't have the truth. What is special about the age of Aquarius is that not only is it a good age, but it is also during this age that our solar system is going to be inside the photon belt. Now, this is what they're saying, not what I'm saying. Every 10,684 years, our solar system enters this belt of photonic energy for a period of over 21,000 years, usually during the ages of Leo or Aquarius. When it was last in Leo, Atlantis reigned supreme in a golden age. The photon energy is divine energy, or what the Bible, and this is what they're saying, not what I'm saying, calls the Holy Spirit. There, this photon energy, this force within the the uh, atmosphere or the universe is what the, they're saying that we call the Holy Spirit, and which comes from the center of creation, and and is stepped down to the galactic, solar, planetary, and individual levels. We will, in effect, be reconnected to our divine source, is what they say. This will raise the vibratory level to the point where people will either resist and die to this force, or let go and be transformed into a light being. Now, if you ever read the book The Shack, there is a point in there where where all these uh, it's a chapter twelve or something like that. But but it's a chapter that William P. Young said that he did not have to edit at all, and it is about the planetary coming together in a universal light fusion of color and light and emergence and that all humanity and all creation is coming together. Now, those of you who love the shack, I'm very sorry that I'm going to just ruin your your view of the shack today because the shack is new age. Now, I have to tell you, I made a huge mistake about um, when I talked about the emergent church movement that I said that the emergent church movement was that actually the New Age movement morphed and redefined uh, and coming up through the church. But the more we talk about the the New Age uh, philosophy, it is actually not even morphed. It is the New Age movement coming up through the church. Before, and I think the 20 years that it's been dormant from the 80s, now it is in the church and it is rising from within the church instead of asking to be accepted by the church. Okay, our solar system, no. So it says uh, that we will be, in effect, being reconnected to our divine source. This will raise the vibratory level to the point where people will either resist and die or go and be transformed into a light being. The earth itself will be transformed and shine like a star as its inner central sun is finally fully turned on. This is the new heaven and the new earth. And new age uh, emergent leaders would agree with that, especially Brian McLaren. Uh, Everything must change. At the very end, he talks about that. Not in those words, he says, in a little bit different words, but he does say that our solar system began began its entry into the belt in the early 1960s and won't be fully immersed 
for another hundred years or so is what they say, but most say that in 2012 this is what's going to take place. Earth's orbit will be fully immersed by late 2012 AD. The effect of this will be like turning the light switch to the on position. This new energy will power everything from our bodies to gadgets to transportation systems. No, that sounds a little freaky, but that's what some of them believe. The old sources of energy will no longer work or be needed. So and we're trying to bring in new sources of energy. We'll see what happens if that is to happen. During the ensuing millennium, everyone will work towards making this planet a paradise again. And after the thousand years are over, there will be a great graduation event of souls who have achieved light being status as well as great resurrection of all souls throughout history who will be given a hundred years to relive their lives and come to earth. All of those left behind will still have another thousand years of grace before the earth and the solar system exit the photon belt and enter once again into another long night of 10,684 years, wherein only the interior of the planet will remain a paradise. Interesting. Now, what did Jesus say about the end of the age? He said, do Matthew 24, 2-4 says, Do you see all these things? He asked, uh, Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left on the other. Talking about the, the temple, everyone will be thrown down. And Jesus was sitting on the mountain of olives, and he, the disciples came to him and privately asked, Tell us, he said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you. Therefore, go and make, Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. Now, there is a, a prayer that is said uh, by the New Agers that I'm going to read to you. And I'm going to read the revised, the great invo- revised version. The great invocation is a world prayer, an invocation for light and love, and is used globally as, as active service to humanity to aid the plan of God to find expression on earth. Now, there's two versions, um, and one is, you know, it was created by Alice Bailey in 1945, and the Tibetan Duali Kul. Um, and so the new wording is just a little bit instead of men, it's human and um, taking away some offending words. But this is what it says. From the point of light within the mind of God, let's, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming of one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where, where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the planet on earth. Now, you have to understand that Jesus didn't, never did play, pray for the earth or the peace on the earth. Now, they're expecting... Uh, a enlightened one to appear, and they actually um, call this enlightened one Maitreya. 
Um, he has been expected for generations by all the major religions. Christians know him as the Christ and expect his imminent return. Jews await him as Messiah. Hindus look for the coming of Krishna. Buddhists expect him as Maitreya. Buddha and Muslims anticipate the Imam Mahdi or the Messiah, the 12th Imam. Although the names are different, many believe that they are all referred to the same individual, the world teacher, whose personal name is Maitreya. It's pronounced Maitreya. Uh, preferring to be known simply as a teacher, Maitreya has come, not come as a religious leader or to found a new religion, but as a teacher and a guide for people of every religion and those of no religion. At this time, a great political, economic, and social crisis uh, will bring forth the Maitreya, and he will inspire humanity to see itself as one family and create a civilization based on sharing economic and social justice and global cooperation. He will launch a call to action to save the millions of people who starve to death every year in a, in a world of plenty. Among Matrius' com commendations, he will will be to shift in social priority a shift in social priorities so that adequate food, housing, clothing, education, and medical care become universal rights. Hmm. Wonder what's trying to happen right now, and what about the mark of the beast that is supposed to come? Well, we have to buy and sell by having the mark of the Antichrist. Now, under Matrix's inspiration, they say humanity itself will make the required changes and create a center and more just world for all. Okay. <clears throat> They also believe that a star is going to be born, that a star's arrival of the tells the arrival of the Christ, that is an actual star, just like the star of Bethlehem that is appearing in the heavens. And and there are some, uh, there is a big movement of this star, this arrival that appeared in 2000, I believe, seven or eight, and has been appearing and, and is seen by many people on different plan, uh, places on the planet and different countries. Um, it says here, um, Benjamin Krim, who is a master who channeled Maitreya, and his word says this. This is what he says Maitreya is saying. He says, in the very near future, people everywhere will have the opportunity to witness an extraordinary and significant sign. The like of which has been manifested only once before the birth of Jesus. Then according to Christian teaching, a star appeared in the heavens and led three wise men from the east to the birthplace of Jesus. Soon, once again, a star-like luminary of brilliant power will be seen around the world. And this was in February 2009, and people say they have seen it. The website, if you're interested in going and seeing all of these uh appearances is www.share-international.org slash Maitreya, which is M-A-I-T-R-E-Y-A slash Ma, and capital M-A underscore S-T-A-R-S-I-N dot H-T-M. Now there's a New Age blog, and I'm going to end with this 
Now, you know what, if you're interested in in uh, reading, you know, I found this blog off the New Age. It's so good. Um, and I may just do it at the beginning of next week's show. I don't know. But I, I think I'd like to really focus in on this. Uh, the New Age blog has this um, letter to my New Age friends. We have to stop talking about Jesus. And it's by a guy, uh, Carper Donnelly, I don't know if it's a guy or a woman, who says we have to stop talking about Jesus. Great article. If you were part of the false teachings um, uh, website, I have a, I, I'm an administrator of what's called false teachings, identifying them on Facebook. I will be posting this actual um, letter uh, here. But I wanted to wanted to say that, you know, a couple things before my time runs out. So I wanted to say, well, what we're supposed to do as Christians, and first of all, I want to give you a little bit of taste of what the emergent church, if you have not listened to the series on it, says. It says that if Christianity on the verge of extinction, this is Phil's tickle. Will the church ever lose its power? Do we have uh, to reinvent ourselves to survive this wave of, of change? The emergent movement insists we do, or we will die. Now, how similar does that sound with what we are reading? Leaders of the movement say we must reinvent the church and rethink everything. Do they mean how we do church? Yes. But it's more than that. We must rethink everything we know to be true about the gospel. And um, it's uh, the emergent movement is a very communal and holds a form of monasticism. Communal here includes practicing with other religions in their worship. She mentions monasticism because this includes Christian, Buddhist, Hindus, and other forms of religion that practice in the same way. Uh, what does Miss Tickle mean when she says the movement is radically Jesus-oriented and that it takes a position that he meant what he said? Emergents do not like Paul. They focus on what Jesus taught and did. But what did Jesus teach? That's the key question here. And emergents have a completely different idea about the, what Jesus said and meant they don't like Paul because he ruins their message. They preach a message, the kingdom of God, but what's the kingdom of God? It has its own definition. It's deeply concerned with theologies of religion that get rid that get rid of Christian particularities or exclusivism. Phyllis Tickle believes the world needs a theology of religion. She believes all religion is equally valid. She wants a global definition. Christian particularities are those things that people get hung up on that says religion is the only true way. That Christianity, where Jesus says, I am the only way, the truth, and life. Um, she says God is doing a new thing amongst us, and it's called emerging or emergent Christianity. Is God responsible for doing this? Uh, you know, she says this. Now, Brian McLaren says on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is here among us. We have, haven't recognized it, but we can establish it here on planet Earth through human effort. 
the book secret, his book Secret Message of Jesus, he says this, sadly, for centuries at a time, in too many places to count, the Christian religion has downplayed, misconstrued, or forgotten the secret message of Jesus entirely. Instead of being about the kingdom of God coming to earth, the Christian religion has too often been preoccupied with abandoning or escaping the earth and going to heaven. We have betrayed the message that the kingdom of God is available for all, and this includes every religion, beginning with the least and the last and the lost, and have instead believed that and taught that the kingdom of God is available for the elite, beginning with the correct, the clean, and the powerful. And when he says that, he's saying the elite, meaning the exclusive, those who say, you know, you have to be part of this club, or you have to, you know, be part of the way. You have to, you have to know Jesus. You have to ask him to be your personal savior. Those are all things he's talking about. So McLaren says this, it's a revolution of hope, but before this hope can be realized, the wrong framing stories that legitimize and the destructive belief systems which which um, he says that historical Christianity has framed Jesus in is harming world unity and peace and must be dismantled. McLaren says we have to stop believing in it and to believe it to believe in its place a different story, the story of the kingdom of God. Biblical Christianity is a wrong framing story for McLaren. Now, another emergent leader is uh, Samir Salmanovic. He says the emerging church movement has, be, has come to believe that the ultimate context of the spiritual aspirations of a follower of Jesus Christ is not Christianity, but rather the kingdom of God. To believe that God is limited to Christianity would be an attempt to manage God. If one holds that Christ is confined to Christianity, one has chosen a God that is not sovereign. Soren Kierkegaard argued that the moment one decides to become a Christian, one is liable of idolatry. He also says, is our religion Christianity? He's talking about the only one that understands the true meaning of life, or does God place his truth in us too? Well, God decides and not us. The gospel is not our gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what belongs to the kingdom of God cannot be hijacked by Christianity. Now, one thing that Jesus says in Matthew 24 is that do not be deceived. He says, watch out that nobody deceives you in verse 4. And then he says, uh, even if they perform great signs and wonders to deceive do not believe. Do not go out uh, and find him in the field. Now, what do we are to do? We need to. Jude third, Jude uh, three says, dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Colossians 2, 7 through 9, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. 1 Peter 3, 15, but if your hearts revere Christ, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. That's Jesus, by the way, not the Christ. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. These are the things we are called to do as Christians in this day and age. Uh, 
Second Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who currently handles the word of truth. Second Peter 2, but there were also false prophets among people, the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secret. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. I want to thank you for joining me on As the Day Approaches. I hope you enjoyed today's and next week we are going to talk about the last imam in 2012. The Quran actually predicts that the last imam, the last prophet, is supposed to come in the year 2012. Join me next week as we do another episode of As the Day Approaches. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.